jofostore.com has all the doctrine and devotion gear you need, you desire, you want, not just for yourselves, but for your friends and your family members. You know what? You can get something for your grandma, your old grandma, your great grandma. Get her something at the Jofo store. If you buy two t-shirts or more, you get 15% off plus no cost for shipping. Right? So this is through what? December 15th. 15th. 14th? It's coming up. This Friday. All right. So, uh, yeah, get it in while you can so you can get those gifts delivered to your door before Christmas Day. Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast exploring Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jimmy Fowler, executive pastor at Redeemer Fellowship. Are you tired? I'm a little tired. Uh, why, why are you tired, bro? Uh, long day. What do you mean? It's not even, uh, it's like 1.51 right now. I don't know. I'm just tired. Why are you tired? tired. I don't Were know. you up late just or something? Just... No, I went to bed on time. Yeah, I was up early, but yeah. yeah so, uh, well, uh, you're tired because you were preaching today. I was preaching. Yeah, you were preaching, preaching, man. You were preaching hard for like 20 minutes. <laughs> That's all I need. No, no. It was good, man. Jimmy was preaching today. We're splitting up the Advent series. So, mm. you know. Yeah, thanks for, uh, you know. We're I gave you the good ones. Yeah, we're doing the four gospel witnesses to the one Advent. Right. Yeah, it's good. I yeah. got two and you got two. Yeah. Split which, them which, even. You got Matthew and Luke. Yeah, I, I got, got Matthew Mark and, and John. Yeah. I yeah. got the two Without a birth narrative. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I don't want them. <laughs> you're do, you did great today. You killed it, man. You got mm. it on repentance. What was your sermon summary? We're really big on the sermon summary here at Redeemer. We want every preacher who gets up there to have a summary statement of what the whole point is. What is the, the sharp edge yeah. of the sermon that if you know, people aren't going to remember all of your points and your no. thought. What is the sermon summary for today? Now, for today was uh, the coming of Christ calls for repenting and rejoicing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Lots of connections were made there. Really good stuff. Quoted George Whitfield. Yep. Yeah. yeah that was good. That was good stuff. So you guys can listen to that. Go to RedeemerFellowship.org. You can find our recent sermons, and you can listen to Jimmy's sermon that was just preached here. Uh, if you're listening to this on the day this drops, it was just preached yesterday. So check it out, man. Share it with others. So... Uh, Chilling. We're having our um, our Sabbath smoke right now. Mm, having a that's how you fulfill the Sabbath is by the smoke. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, it's representative of the prayers of the saints ascending up to heaven. Yes, Amen, Amen. Yeah, yeah and these were free uh, from a church member. Just gave oh, them to me today. So nice, so, so kind. We have awesome church members. They gave my wife dark chocolate, and they gave me these cigars. Yeah, I love like Pastor Appreciation Month here. <laughs> it's like just cigars and bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> people dropping, people dropping drop all kinds of stuff off. So, um, good people. We got great people. Way, they're way too kind and they're way too generous. So, man, we're going to talk about 1689. It's yes. Monday. That's what we do. And we're in chapter eight. We're in paragraph five, five. today. You want to read it? Yeah, sure. Uh, the Lord Jesus, by his perfect obedience and sacrifice of himself, which he through the eternal spirit once offered up to God, has fully satisfied the justice of God, procured reconciliation, and purchased an everlasting inheritance in the kingdom of heaven for all those whom the Father has given unto him. It's a very wow. specific and detailed sentence, mm-hmm. right? That's just all one sentence. And so we're going to break it down. We actually just kind of want to walk through it and read some scripture passages to help you consider this. 
because uh, really when we're when we're studying theology and we're looking at the confession we should always be looking for ways to trace the theology and the doctrines back to the person and work of Christ how does it ultimately connect to the yeah. gospel and to God's grace towards us in Jesus here it's explicit it is it is focused on Christ as the mediator and as it starts out the lord jesus by his perfect obedience and sacrifice of himself and he's got this parenthetical statement, and then he goes on and says what this does. But he says that that Jesus has procured for us this salvation um, by perfect obedience mm-hmm. and sacrifice. Yeah. So what kind of obedience are we talking about here? I mean, well, we're talking about obedience to the law, right? We're talking about his uh, – What do theologians call that? His active obedience. That's right. right? And so actually uh, Romans 5, 18 and 19 says this. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, the Mm. many will be made righteous. And we're talking about like this federal federalism, the federal headship that we have uh, in that in the first Adam in 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 the garden, Adam represented you. He represented all of me. humanity. Yeah. And in him, we all sinned. And so we have this, we, we disobeyed in him. We have this disobedience. And with that comes just condemnation. But in Christ, who perfectly fulfills the law demands, who perfectly loves God by his active obedience, mm-hmm. his perfect obedience in him as our representative, we have, uh, we have, we are justified. We yeah. righteousness, uh, and life. Now, just sort of as a sidebar here, we've talked about this sort of a thing before, um, but just just notice what, what is being said here in, in the words that are used in Romans 5, 18 and 19. One trespass led to condemnation for all men, all men. Mm. All means all. That's what people want to oh, say. Oh, you're going to go all, down this one all, again? Just all means all. Yeah. Okay. So one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. So just again... If all means all in the most extreme sense, then all were condemned, all without exception, and now all without exception are justified. All is a little bit more of a complicated word than a lot of people want to uh, assume. So – and just be careful with um, with your understanding and your your sort of exploration of this concept of all men. Uh, it can mean all without distinction, or it can mean all without exception. It can mean all kinds of people, um, rather than every individual to constitute the human race. So be careful here. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea here in context, context helps us understand the all right. Um, uh, all men who were uh, were in Adam are condemned, and all men who are in Christ are justified. And the way that Correct. you become in Christ is uh, through faith, through faith in yep. Christ. So, all right. So we've got the Lord Jesus by His perfect obedience, mm-hmm. His active obedience, and sacrifice of Himself. Interesting, right? That um, the way it words this, not that Christ was sacrificed, but He sacrificed Himself. The sacrifice of Himself. Ephesians five two. We are called to walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Yeah. What we're not talking about here is cosmic child abuse, right? right? Which some theologians and writers have have talked about in the past. This idea that that uh, you know, almost like Jesus came and laid himself down kicking and screaming and then the father was just whooping his tail yeah. and taking delight in you know being this merciless abuser listen they're saying that because they don't like the idea of 
propitiation. Mm-hmm. Did you hear that jingle? Did you hear that ka-ching? If you heard that ka-ching, <laughs> that was somebody. Someone just bought something from bought our store. A, a t-shirt from Doctrine and Devotion. Yeah, I hope you heard that. Because that, that, you know that little sound right there? That's the sound of Christmas, everybody. <laughs> yeah, your phone, my phone, iPad, all went off. <laughs> yeah, it was just one sale, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it sounded like three. It did, yeah. But, uh, but, uh, but. All right, so, so Jesus was offering himself up as a sacrifice. Yeah, willingly, right? lovingly, sacrificially. Yeah, and he did satisfy God's just anger. All of this is clear in Scripture. But what I love about this is that it is not only the means by which we are saved, it is also an example of which we are supposed to imitate, mm. that we are to be people who walk in love and as Christ loved us. So how did Christ love us? By denying himself and seeking our good, all for the glory of God. Yeah. Right? That's the idea. So the Lord Jesus, by his perfect obedience and sacrifice of himself, parenthetical statement, uh, which he through the eternal spirit once offered up to God. There's a couple of things here, right? Yeah. Um, So when it says he through the eternal spirit um, offered himself up to God, meaning that the Holy Spirit plays an an integral role in Jesus' sacrificial high priestly ministry. Well, actually, I mean, yeah, looking at Hebrews 9, 11 to 14. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once and for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, Mm. thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkle of defiled persons with with the ashes of a heifer sanctified for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Man, that's one of my favorite passages oh, in yeah. Hebrews. I love it. And it, what's what's really clear here, right, is that we have the Holy Spirit, just like the Spirit was involved in, in the priestly ministry in the Old Covenant as well. Yep. Uh, Jesus, as our high priest, is filled with and empowered by the Holy Spirit in his offering of himself up to God. Again, it's an offering to God. It's, it, is, it is not just a, um, a sacrifice that is made in general. He is appeasing God's wrath. And we're going to talk we're gonna about get on that in, a moment, yeah. in, in just a moment. But the idea here is that this offering of himself, according to Hebrews, allows us to experience a purification of our conscience from dead works in order to serve the living God. So the dead works that we're being cleansed of and and forgiven of, these aren't good works. Dead works are those deeds that we did in the flesh of a moral or religious nature that we're not coupled with faith. Yeah. Right. So it's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm performing, I'm offering sacrifice. I am, uh, I'm, I'm maybe dotting the I's and crossing the T's in a formal and external sense, but these are dead works because they aren't emanating from faith. Therefore they are not pleasing to God. And, the blood of Christ is what cleanses our conscience mm-hmm. from those things in order to serve the living God, right? And that idea of serving God here is that of good works that stem from faith. This is a part of our salvation. Yeah. Our obedience. Like it is, it is, it is a, 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 a freeing of the, the sinner that is bound in sin and dead works in order to uh, gleefully uh, obey God 
as it stems from a a, a place of of conviction and confidence. Which I think is some is ironic because oftentimes you know when those that uh, that talk about free will, right? They say, "Oh, you're bound. You're bound." Well, well, hold on. Like, yeah, I I need to be able to choose God. Well, no, you were bound and you could not choose God, and your your works were dead. Yeah, right. And yet, N- not, you just weren't dead. Even your, your works, your were, works dead. were dead. <laughs> but the grace of God, the Spirit of God, the mercy of God frees you and your conscience to uh, to have faith. Yeah, and in that faith work serve right. god there's properly. your freedom there's your freedom. you don't have freedom until god frees you right That's until right. the sun frees you until he makes you alive so now you can breathe and move and live there's your freedom mm. uh to finally do the things that god desires and you will desire to do them from the proper place as well so it says the lord jesus by his perfect obedience and sacrifice of himself which he through the eternal spirit once offered up to god has fully satisfied the justice of Oh, here we go. Right, this so, is where people get. So here's what he did. He satisfied the justice of God. He procured reconciliation and he purchased an everlasting inheritance in the kingdom of heaven. So we're talking about satisfying the justice of God. What are we talking about, Jimmy? Well, I mean, Hebrews 2.17. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. So to appease the wrath of God. You know, that that because of our disobedience in Adam, uh, because we have all sinned, we deserve the just wrath of God. We deserve the just punishment uh, for our sin. And I mean, that what we're talking about here is like the holiness, love and justice of God, because God is holy. He must punish uh, the unjust. He must punish the wicked. He cannot yeah. just allow it to go go forth. But God. Being rich in mercy, right, mm-hmm. and being loving and patient, uh, he, he he puts it upon himself. He takes it upon himself, uh, and and receives that just punishment that we deserve, and we receive the righteousness that we don't deserve. It's it's a it's a beautiful thing because I think the way most of us think about this sort of a situation is, oh, you've wronged me. Well, my responsibility at this point is to make you pay, is to hold you accountable. Correct, and of course. That's what condemnation is. God's like, I'm going to make you pay. I'm going to hold you accountable. But he he goes beyond that to take upon himself this this merciful, kind responsibility to save. And listen, there is the the only way in which God's justice can be fully satisfied is by Christ's act of propitiation. And, and and this is, you know, like Jimmy read it from Hebrews, but you read it in Romans 3.25. I read that as a part of our Lord's Supper. You know, God put Christ forward as a propitiation in his blood. Uh, we read about it in 1 John 2.2, 1 John uh, 4.10. You know, this idea of propitiation is critical to our understanding of Christ's work. Mm. And so if God's justice is going to be satisfied, well, what, what is justice, right? It is the the proper and precise measuring out of of reward and punishment Hmm. and for, for, for God's justice to be satisfied would require either us suffering for our sins or Christ suffering for our sins. What does it mean to suffer for sin? Well, it is the, the, the execution and the manifestation of God's holy anger and wrath, right? It's divine punishment. Jesus did that for us. He fully satisfied the justice of God, which means there is no wrath left over for the Christian. 
No. God is not punishing you, Christian. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those of you in Christ Jesus. That's right. So you're not being condemned by God, even if you happen to be disciplined by God. He's not condemning you. Yeah, there's a He's difference. He's not punishing you. He is training you. He is teaching you. He is loving you. It's coming from a place of love. Yeah. So this is this this is a, a, a big word of encouragement for us that God's justice has been fully satisfied um, by Christ's sacrifice, and not only that, because it, it could be like, hey, listen, I've God could say I've satisfied my justice. Mm. I'm no longer angry at you. We are now um, in a position where you are going to have uh, this reward. But it's not just that; it's also a procured reconciliation. The 1689 says. Yeah, what does that mean? It means that in the sacrifice of Jesus, he hasn't just satisfied God's justice or his anger against us, but he has also brought us near to the Father so that we can have a right relationship with him. Not mm. just a right standing, right, where, where we are legally declared right and holy, but where we would have a relationship with God, which gets to Jimmy's one of Jimmy's favorite doctrines, and that is communion with God. Yeah. Uh, the fact that we have a right um, standing with God and a relationship with God provides us the the context in which we can have communion with God. In Second Corinthians chapter five, verses eighteen through twenty-one, the Apostle Paul said, "All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation." That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. By the way, that's how Jimmy was preaching today. That we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's just like how you were talking today. Um, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So get that, that, um, that God, again, took the responsibility on himself to reconcile us to himself and then he gave us this ministry of reconciliation to carry forth into the world so that we would not only be the recipients of the grace of reconciliation but mm. the ministers of it as well and that's a hard that, that's a hard word because i'm not you know we don't do that very well mm -mm. We're, we're very combative we're very hostile with each other we're and judging we, each we're other judging. we draw lines in the sand with and each we, other and like sometimes like i don't want all right like i'll there, there, there's there's an online figure who I think is toxic and poisonous and deadly. Everybody knows who I'm talking about if you're a regular listener. And if I'm honest, like when I see some of the hateful, unchristian things that this person says online towards brothers and sisters in Christ, I don't desire to be a, an ambassador of Christ and a minister of reconciliation for him. I, I just want him to get like, I want fire from heaven to come down and rain upon him, right? So I'm very much sometimes like uh, the, the half-believing disciples who don't get it. Mm -hmm. like, I sometimes don't get it. And so I need these verses. I need these truths. I need the reality of the procured reconciliation through Christ to remind me like, you aren't any better. No. You're not anybody. He might be doing something that you don't do right now, but you're not a better person or you're certainly not more deserving uh, than he is. He's not less deserving of you. You're both completely undeserving Correct. <laughs> of this. Yeah. And so we ought to be moved to show this kind of mercy and kindness towards people, especially people that don't deserve it, by the way. Like you don't. <laughs> right. By the way, um, in Christ, God was reconciling 
the world to himself. Eh, yeah, eh, world means world. Like, you know, I, I know like the traditionalists like to say the world means world. Uh, it just means everybody. It has to mean everybody. What, how else are you going to interpret it? If, if we are to interpret this as, uh, you know, well, I mean, like John 3 says, for God so loved the world, mm-hmm. they want to take that to mean that uh, the salvation, Christ's death, all that is for every single individual. If it means that, then this would have to result in universalism because it says in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. It's a definitive statement. If he's reconciling the world and the world means every individual to constitute the human race and the whole world is saved because it says not counting their trespasses against them. Correct. All right. So world does not mean every individual to constitute the human race. Yeah. Like it, Paul said, you know, he preached to the entire world. Right. This message, this gospel. Mean that. No, he, he did not. <laughs> he, he, he means Jews and Gentiles, all kinds of people, all people without distinction. Okay. Jimmy, he's fully satisfied the justice of God. Mm-hmm. He's procured reconciliation. What else? Uh, and purchased an everlasting inheritance in the kingdom of heaven. So what do we mean by purchase, right? Like that's like they pull out his debit card, you know? No, no, uh, no, credit card. Oh, his credit no, card? You get, oh, yeah, 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 because yeah. he credits to you the believer's gets, account. Mm-hmm, that's right. <laughs> that was Plus, pretty good. air miles. Like when we get taken up? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> what do you call it? The rapture, yeah. The, so Acts 20, 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So his his loving sacrifice on the cross, giving of himself, receiving the just punishment, propitiating uh, on our behalf. He has purchased what is it that not the world. The church of God, right. the elect, his people, his sheep, his own, who he has called to himself, uh, which he obtained by his own blood. That he, that should like, I mean, when we, when we think about this, uh, and I know, I know I struggle with this from time to time because as you read and as you continue to grow, you kind of focus on, on other, you know, theological writings and, mm-hmm. and and such and so you lose kind of the weightiness of of this doctrine that he purchased for himself by his blood and that's why i love that's why I, and i know i've said it multiple times and i'm going to keep saying it that's why i love that we do communion every week every week every week this this reminder this reminder of the gospel this reminder of uh his body broken and his blood spilled because that's the purchase that's the price to purchase for us an everlasting inheritance. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by inheritance? Well, let me just let me just. I want to hit that purchase thing again because because um, I didn't do it right the first time. No, no, no because I'm just enjoying <laughs> it so much because it's so good. Um, you know, you had to be bought, right? You you were enslaved and bound and ruined, and Christ had to pay a price in order to redeem you. Um, and the consequence of this is not just that you are saved, but that you are now to be holy, right? You are yeah. bought with a price, it says in First Corinthians. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Um, so we not only receive the benefits of being purchased, but now we are we are endowed with this responsibility, yeah. this duty, and this privilege of behaving in accordance with it. Well, can't uh, I just keep sinning so that grace may abound more? Well, you know, Paul says uh, that's a dumb question. Oh, oh Paul my says, bad. Uh, no, you big dummy. That's what Paul. That's in the Greek. <laughs> that's uh, in the Greek. Yeah. You big dummy. Yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I mean, listen, that's definitely something that 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 we either believe uh, explicitly or at least practice. Uh, implicitly mm. in in dealing with some of our sins. Who who of us hasn't said in the midst of temptation, 
I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Uh, I'm forgiven anyways. Yeah. We've all, I've done it. I've done it. Yeah. And, um, and it's a shame. Yeah. No, it's because right. it's not what we're called to. And Jimmy, you said that we were purchased like, uh, well, you purchased an everlasting inheritance. Right. Right. So what, like Ephesians one, uh, 11 through 14 is, is one of those inheritance passages where it says in him, we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. And in him you also, when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. So this inheritance is something that we have, right, in the sense of... We get but a taste of it. Right, but we don't we don't have it all now. Like it's ours, but mm-hmm. we're waiting for it. We're waiting to acquire it. Yeah. And so what is this inheritance that we're talking about? We can, the big picture, we can say, well, it is salvation, right? We have it now. We have the forgiveness of sins. Yeah. But it's the kingdom of heaven, right? right. It's this, it's the presence of God. It's basking in his glory. It's, it's standing before our maker. Uh, and, and actually I would say becoming fully human, yeah. Right. Being who we were created to be fully dependent and uh, exposed and free and uh, uh, and just basking in the relationship with our God. Sort of like it's, it's not a perfect analogy, but no analogy is. No, no, it's no. Sort of like when you go to Jamaica, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. You do some basking. Stop. Don't, you do some don't, basking. No, no, I'm just saying, just like, is that, is that true? You do some basking in the sun. Yes. All right. So, like, Jimmy will strip down. No, don't do Speedos. Why are you telling me? Wait, what do you think? Wait, 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 uh, no, uh, spandex. It. Spandex. Stop. So, you strip down. You're, am I lying? <laughs> no. Okay, not. I'm not lying. But, bro, so Jimmy, bro. Wait, it's, it's, it's a private bro. area. You're in, the, you're, you're in the private area. So, Jimmy Jimmy will strip down and get in his spandex because Jimmy wants to soak up the sun. He works really, really hard. He's really tired. So, when he finally gets a chance to go on a vacation, like every two months, he will. Uh, no, when he finally gets to go on vacation like that, he wants to sit in the sun and rest. And you bask in the sun, and what happens? You get not only the the brightness and the light of the sun, you get the warmth of the sun. You feel the effect on your body. That's what it means to bask in it, right? I hate you okay, so, so no, much. No, follow my line of thinking. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I follow it. Now, to bask in the, the 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 glory of God is to set yourself before it in such a way that you feel the full effect of it. You want to remain there. You want to stay there. You want to, you, you want to be changed by it, right? Like, you know, you like want to get tanner. You want to get it. tanner, brown or uh, bronze. You want to get bronze. Uh, that's why I don't go in the sun. Uh, cause I don't, I don't like that at all. So, uh, no, I hate you so much. What, what, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make it real for people. <laughs> You made it real creepy. <laughs> you made it real creepy. I'm just pointing out the creep. All right. Uh, purchase an everlasting inheritance in the kingdom of heaven yeah. for all those whom the Father has given unto him. Oh. That, that, so you mean his work was done for a specific group? That's what it says. No, but it only says it here. This doesn't say it in Scripture, Joe. It only says it right here in the 1689. And the 1689 is not Scripture, Joe. No, it's not. In fact, it's just a hack of a Presbyterian document. So it's, it's Presbyterianism. So it's really their fault. And it, 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 Presbyterian, like, I'm pretty sure that's Latin for Prince of Darkness or something. No. So obviously this is a satanic lie. Um, listen, Jesus talks about this quite a bit. In John 17, for example, um, Jesus prays. He says, I'm not praying for everybody. I'm praying for those that you have given me. 
Mm. That's who I'm praying for. Um, that's my high priestly work is for those people, the people that you have given me. I'm not praying for everybody. I'm not dying for everybody. I'm praying for and dying for and serving those that you have given me. That is the elect. Because all Jesus says, all that the Father has given to me will come to me. Right? So there are they hear pe- my voice and they obey and right. they come. That, listen, this... <sighs> It's not. It's a hard truth, though, Joe. Okay, it, it's it, difficult. It's, it, it'd be so much easier to like you. I want to believe in universalism, right? Yeah, it's not easy, but it is simple. I, 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 okay. What Christ says here is clear, and he says it throughout that that all of Christ's work was done for a particular group of people, not ethnically, not socially, but a particular group of people that were singled out by the love of God the Father and given to the Son. It's the Father in the covenant of redemption saying to the Son, these are the people I'm giving to you Mm -hmm. to save. And the Son is like, those are the people I'm going to save. I'm going to redeem and I'm going to make them ours and they're going to glorify us forever. That is the essence of that covenantal relationship between the two and what Jesus was doing. So, as we're looking through the confession, and we should always be doing this when we're reading doctrine and we're reading confessions, we should, you know, in, if you're just in chapter eight, paragraph five, okay, so what? What what should this do in me in terms of my confidence before God, mm-hmm. in terms of my conviction and my, my the, the, the state of my heart? And, and what should this do in terms of my conduct? conduct We've already yeah. talked about this in, in as we kind of went along. So let's just make it really clear. What does this do? How does this interact with us in a way that gives us confidence before God? Yeah, I mean, it should give us confidence before God in knowing that despite us, uh, we have salvation. Mm. Right. Despite uh, our shortcomings, despite our sin, uh, despite our lack of faith and despite our our just our turning away from God, that he still procured for us salvation. He still gave of himself and uh, and draws us to him. Now we should be, we should be changing. We should be going through the sanctifying work. Uh, and it, as I look at my life and I look at the, my struggles, I look at my sin, I look at my failings. Uh, and at times I'm discouraged. I can be encouraged to know that I have confidence be- before our Lord, because it's not my work, but his work. It's not right. my obedience. It's his, his perfect obedience right. that has, uh, granted me this salvation. And, I like what you're saying because it's the it's the confidence that we have before Christ that ultimately produces within us the conviction and leads to the conduct, right? So it is it's like when we say, well, you know, Jesus did it all. And what did he do? Well, he redeemed me from what? From dead works. Why? So that I could serve God. Yeah. With a clear conscience now. I can actually serve God. So your confidence now is not in yourself. It's in Christ. But it leads to a change in the way that we feel and in the, in the way that we live. I can now serve God. I'm called to be holy. Right? Because I've been bought with a price. I've been bought with the blood of Christ. And that that uh, that convictional aspect of this, right? That it, what it should be doing in us are the things that we talk about again and again and again. Mm-hmm. It should it should produce within us joy, yeah, humility, right? Gratitude, brokenness, zeal, 
I would say uh, a hatred for our sin. Right, right, right. It, these are the convictional things that 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 should be happening in us. And the more that we understand the sacrifice of Jesus, the more that we are dialed into the truth of the 1689 8.5, um, Christ as mediator, uh, and the more that we allow the scripture that this is based on to really fill our heads and our hearts, we will be changed in our confidence, in our conviction, and in our conduct. Mm. Well, we'd love to hear your thoughts. You could follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Doc and Devo or on Facebook slash Doctrine and Devotion. You can head on the website, DoctrineVotion.com. There you can contact us. You can sign up for the email blast or hit up the store, JoeFoStore.com, and grab some gear. Fresh Pod every Monday and Thursday. Blog posts on Wednesdays. Video content when available. Later. Later.